I'm Lemuel Gonzalez, Repentant Sinner, and along with Amity Armstrong, your heavenly host, I invite you to find a place in the pew for today's Painless Sunday School Lesson, Without Works. Welcome to a quarantined Without Works. We come to you from our sheltering in place. That leads us directly into the topic this week. Because of the safety considerations that governments have put into place, Easter services will not be held at many churches around the world. Because of these safety restrictions, especially those about social distancing and gathering in groups, the regular traditional Good Friday and Easter services will be done through the internet and television without public participation. With that in mind, in this week's The More You Know, I thought it would be a good idea to explain what you would expect if you had attended a Good Friday or Easter service. first sticking point with Christianity might have centered near Easter, and that was this. Why on earth is Good Friday called Good Friday? It seems a terrible name for what it commemorates. So let's start there. Good Friday, the day that Jesus was crucified. Why are we celebrating the death of your Savior? I understand the resurrection is joyful, but why the death? Good for us, bad for him. It just seems rude, especially because you anticipate him coming back. To go ahead and call it Good Friday really seems like a big up yours. He, this was a sacrifice that was made on our behalf. And one way to think of it is as the ultimate good that can be done for another person. Okay, so the sacrifice was... yes. Goodness. Remember, we talked in one of our other programs about the Passover lamb. Yeah. And he's agreed to be the Passover lamb for us. Oh, okay. So, okay. Did right. he agree? <laughs> yes, he agreed. Okay. I don't well, know that he was given he, an option. To, I, I appreciate the fact that you have been our consent person yes. on this. Did Mary agree? Did Jesus agree? Yes, they both agreed. I mean, but... Job, not but so much. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Jesus... But for it to be a sacrifice, he had to agree that he was willing to do this. Otherwise, it would just be no. torture. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> correct. So, <laughs> Jesus was aware that he was going to be killed. He was aware that he was going to be betrayed. This may be because he was a deeply perceptive, intuitive man who was more than aware of the tensions around him. It could be that his sacrifice was predestined before the beginning of the world. See, I'm covering both of our opinions. Yes, but... <laughs> That would add the layer of tragedy that makes Good Friday so important to Christians. Okay, so what you said are two... See, this is this is my sticking... This is always my sticking point. I'm sorry, uh, everyone listening, because I know that this must get old and tired. He knew he was going to be betrayed, right. but we don't know why he knew. Well, we're assuming that if, again... Okay, but if we covered, assume, we don't know. That's what no, I'm saying. We well, don't know what why. What I am saying is that... Both of the options that I just gave you, either he he was obviously very deeply perceptive and intuitive right. of people's needs and thoughts. Mm -hmm. He was aware of what was going on around him. In the Gospels, he calls out Judas a couple of times. Uh, there's the point of view of Christians like myself who believe that he knew because he knew, being what he was. In either case, he was aware that he was going to be turned in and was aware of who was going to turn him in. Okay, and he just 
sat still, and that's how we know that he was okay with it. He didn't sit still. I mean, he kind of sat he still. <laughs> actively, when he is, he has the Last Supper. Uh huh. Spreads out for his disciples. He tells them that he's not going to be with them much longer. Right. He asks Judas to leave. Nobody knows why he asked Judas to leave. He just tells him in front of the other disciples, whatever you're going to do, do it now. Do it quickly. He then moves into camps to the Garden of Gethsemane, which right. is a public garden. Mm-hmm. And he asks the disciples to stay up with him, but they're very tired. So they're all so falling sleepy. asleep. So sleepy. So much wine at that dinner. <laughs> he starts having a moment where he is facing now the prospect of death. And not just death. If it was like somebody's going to suddenly sneak up behind you and shoot you, that would be one thing. No, this is going to be a long, drawn out, horrific death. Right. Well. And he at this moment says, I wish I didn't have to do this, but if this is the way that it has to be, then your will be done. He says this to God. And then he, the moment that he relinquishes his life, then he's found by Judas and also by the temple guard who have come to kidnap him for the false charges that we described in another uh, edition of this podcast. Okay, but he's alone amongst sleeping hordes. Right. Okay, okay. Well, sleeping with his disciples and whoever else was with them. Uh, so this turns Jesus into the solution to the Aristotelian ethicist Philippa Foote's trolley problem. Yeah. In her thought experiment, a person is given the option to divert a runaway trolley from the track it is running, where it will inevitably kill five people, to another track where it will kill only one. Yes. In Christian thought, Jesus accepts the death to help us reconcile with God. He becomes the one victim, saying, you can run me over if it saves the other five. I don't know how how into the philosophy we want to get. Uh That doesn't actually answer the trolley problem. Because what he has done Mm -hmm. as the person faced with the trolley problem is to throw himself in front of the train, killing neither one nor five, but killing himself. Uh, Just to be clear, because the the whole issue with the trolley problem is do nothing and five people die, make a choice to kill one person, and both of those are very hard or bad. Or the wheels of the trolley. Right, which is a third, it's a, it's a, Kobayashi Maru, <laughs> he cheated. <laughs> he was given option A or option B, and he was like, I choose C. I create another option that nobody expected. C for Christ. There are many different kinds of Christian churches and many ways to observe Good Friday. Some churches make it an all-day set of observances. Some fast from the beginning of the day or observe the seven stations of the cross. Um, so this also, I, we should say, is so Lent starts on Ash Wednesday, Mm -hmm. and that was 40 days before Easter or before Good Friday? Before Easter. Okay, and then you go through your cleansing period of 40 days. 40 days big in the Bible. Well, there's lots of... There's a... I'm really kind of surprised that our months aren't 40 days just to go along with this. All sorts of numerological consistencies, but Mm -hmm. it's difficult because there are many people who publish books on the Bible code, and it becomes sort of ridiculous. So, Ash Wednesday, you get... Right. So Palm Sunday is the Sunday before right. Easter, and then Good Friday is the Friday before Easter, and yes. that is the day that... He was crucified, or was commemorates crucified. the day he was crucified. Yeah. So when I was a kid, there were people who fasted all day. Okay. Uh, I On were, Good Friday. On Good Friday. On Good Friday, okay. Um, I was not one of those people. I didn't want to have a diabetic fit. Well, that's fair. Um, and there were other people who just, uh, for other reasons, didn't, but that was a common thing to do. That is a common thing to do. Uh, I, I try to take the day off of work. 
Okay. It doesn't seem to be appropriate to me, and that's a personal thing. When Jesus was crucified, he hung on a cross for three hours. Yeah. In many churches, the dying phrases that Christ said while hanging on the cross, as he expired from exhaustion and repeated beating and torture, are commemorated. I participated in these kinds of services when I was attending church regularly. And I should say, from a historical perspective, and I learned this in a Bible history class, uh-huh. which I took in college, he died on that cross much faster than most people yes. died on the cross. Because he was, he was, uh, and as again, we went over when we talked about the uh, the trial. We mentioned how the trial between being picked up in Mm -hmm. the middle of the night, dragged off to uh, the Pharisees, dragged off to Herod, dragged back to to uh, the Pharisees, taken to Pontius Pilate, and at each stop, he's being beaten. He's being beaten, and he's stabbed in the side. Right, he's he's exhausted. He's beaten. He is at this point. Uh, one person's uh, one scripture citation is he's under, almost unrecognizable from how much his face is swollen right. and mashed in from all the beatings. But the seven stations of the cross, or yeah. the, the seven words, what we used to do is everyone in the church, or people who were willing to volunteer for it, not everyone, but uh, people who were willing to volunteer were given one of the seven sayings, and they had to give a sermon or a brief lesson on. One of those sayings. And that's a what are the tab. seven sayings? Well, they are. They range from the ones that everyone remembers: "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." Okay. To things like a very pedestrian thing that he said, which is to tell uh, Mary that John is going to be her son from now on. Oh right. John take, is the youngest of the disciples, his... and now he's handing off the, the care of his mother to somebody else. So some of the things are the sort of things that a person says when they're dying. My, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which was, he was quoting scriptures. To Christians, that's supposed to be, or that is taken as the moment when he accepts the sins of the world on his shoulders and can't see God anymore because he's covered with sin, which is horrifying. Mm-hmm. When you think about it in the context of Christianity, it becomes an even more layered story because you're thinking about something that never experiences death, experiencing death for the first and only time. And so that, that adds that kind of uh, okay, of, so if this is the not God as not Jesus as Son of God, but God as Jesus, Jesus right. as God, God incarnate, okay. who sings, who's never experienced death, now experiencing what it is to cease, even if it's temporarily. So, oh, this is a whole separate question because when you say God incarnate, I never thought that he had the like. It never occurred to me that he had the consciousness of God within him because. God needs to be everywhere. Right. <laughs> so it's weird that he'd be in this one but person. But that's what we talked about years. earlier when we said God separated a part of himself from himself. Oh, I guess so. So um, I have a question. Yes. You said seven stations of the cross. Uh-huh. I'm seeing everywhere, say, 14. Jesus is condemned. Oh, these are, okay. So okay, those, so that's right, a separate so thing. So let me, let me correct that then okay. because the seven stations of the cross are places where an action took place. Okay. Jesus okay. is condemned to death. He carries his cross. He falls for the first time. The fourth station, Jesus meets his mother. Yeah. Simon of Cyrene helps carry the cross, which was a story that we were told Jesus is actually at this point so physically exhausted and beaten that they ask, uh, the Roman soldiers ask someone to come out of the crowd mm-hmm. and help carry the cross. Yeah. Uh, traditionally, this is presented as a black man. Oh, Which makes the story, again, it, there's all sorts of layers of meaning for it. When they... Uh, Recently, when Mel Gibson did his film, he yes. didn't make it a black character. He made it a Jewish character. So that he felt that somehow added more to it to have another Jew looking at a Jew being tortured, saying, why are you doing this? 
But and also, so it winds up being effective in its own way, but yeah, still the, the, the kind of... But still revisionist. Right, still revisionist. It's still, um, yeah, he didn't do it out of, apparently out of uh, trying to exclude black people from the Bible. It was simply that, and there are, uh, but he did it because he felt that it would add to the drama of a Jewish man looking at what was being done to another Jewish man, regardless of whether or not he believed him or believed that he was what he said he was. We, right. Right. So, um, although I heard that he never said that he was, that's wrong. Anyhow, he told me that he never said that he was the king of the Jews. Oh no, he never said he was the king of the Jews. What he said he was when he said he was the son of God. Yes, oh, okay. he said that. Okay, <laughs> he never I'm said sorry. he was king I, of the Jews. We, <laughs> what quote? What he was was many things, and so it's that, confusing. Right? No, he never said he was king of the Jews. Apologies. All right. So, All right. So okay. So the Stations of the Cross is like fourteen. Like items that happen, but several right. of them are in the same place. So. Yes, they're, they're all along the path for him, and in some places they actually have like a, a walk path that to you walk. do. Right. right. The seven words are what he, the words that are commemorated in different gospels of what he said as he was dying. Okay. And that's what uh, what you're often asked to deliver these sermons on, and and uh, I was participating in those all the time, and I got some of the stranger ones just because I was willing to do it. I want to do the one about mother, this is your son. Because nobody wants to do that. They want to do the more dramatic ones. So that was me. That's a good one, though. I, I mean, they're all good or they wouldn't great, be included. Right. I think it shows a great deal of compassion and care that his dying thoughts were still for also, other people. y'all have favorites? That's messed up. What do you mean? <laughs> like if no, other people were like, yes. I don't want to say that one. That one's boring. Yes, exactly. I'm sorry. <laughs> your savior is being murdered right now. Are you bored? That's, that really that, that seems also, like some it nonsense. That very high moral horse I wanted to be on. So. I guess. I'll be the one so. nobody else wants. Because I'm a true believer. <laughs> right. Oh, good. Yes, I am more spiritual than you. No, I'm, I'm kidding. No, there's probably an element of that if I'm going to be perfectly honest. So I had a friend who was a part of a Greek Orthodox church, and he mm-hmm. had a beautiful and touching tradition shared by other high church communities. At the end of Good Friday's service, the clergy draped the altar in black to mourn the suffering and death of Jesus, and it remains that way until Sunday morning. That makes sense. Which is really, and, I think, very lovely. And most years they're doing it a week later than you are doing it. Yeah. So I one of the things clear. that, uh, uh, and in my small way, after hearing that tradition, I participate by putting blacking out my screen every Good Friday on black Facebook. Oh, okay. Yes, that's right. It's, it goes black until Easter Sunday. Right. So, and people always ask me, well, what are you doing? Well, the same, it's a... I'm observing camera. my faith, Karen. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you have to say that and then say, sorry to anybody named Karen out right. there, because you're getting the brunt of this white people nonsense, but... <laughs> right. It's a really satisfying name to say at the end of a thing like that. So, so then Sunday morning, Sunday morning is Easter. So Jesus was interred in a, uh, a space in a family tomb that was lent by Joseph of Arimathea, who was one of these um, sympathetic Pharisees. So okay. two days after uh, the crucifixion, Mary Magdalene and some of the disciples, uh, some of the other disciples, the female disciples, uh, come very early to anoint the body for burial. Jesus was hastily interred at dark on Friday. And because it conflicted with observing the Sabbath, the body wasn't prepared. That's so interesting. And were the Jewish death rites the same then as they are now? I don't because know. Because I feel like... There were a couple of... You know, there yeah. is no Shiva n- n- mentioned in the story that I'm aware of. 
You, See, I might be wrong. <laughs> he was taken down and you know just dumped off of a cross. Cool. And then uh, because he was already dead. Yeah. No, I understand. And so Joseph asked for the body so he could bury it, and the Pharisees asked Pontius Pilate, "His disciples are going to steal the body, so could you put a guard around it?" Which made everyone upset because they felt you haven't. What do you need his body for? Right. If we're stealing it, it's to treat it with respect right. and, and inter him properly. What is your problem with that? So the, the state desecrating the body uh-huh. of prisoners is like an ongoing. It's, yes. it's still happening, and it's terrible. So that's the reason why they come after the Sabbath, very early in the morning, to so the Sabbath for them is on Saturday. Uh-huh. So first thing Sunday morning, right. they, come. Okay. they come by, which is why Good Friday and then Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. So they come by uh, to use the herbs or for preservation that they did not have the time to prepare. Was it frankincense and myrrh? You know, I is don't. Is it all coming back around? <laughs> um, I believe that. Very likely it was. It, yes, it, was. it probably was. It does come back around. So, sorry to <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm really messing with you today, and I'm okay. sorry. Instead, early as they could manage, the women, less terrified than the men in this case, the male disciples are all in hiding at this point. That they're afraid that the state is going to come after them? Right. They're okay, afraid that gotcha. the, the, the women. So, according to the stories, uh, included in the Gospels, these women come to the tomb and they discover it empty. The, the tomb is built into the side of a hill. And there's a huge rock that's rolled in front of it. And that rock is rolled away, and no one's there. So... Some people are there, right? Because it's it's a tomb, like it's got other interred people. It just doesn't have no, the body. No, it hasn't been used yet. It was going oh, to be okay. Joseph's family mausoleum from the sounds of it, because it said it hadn't been used. Oh, it hadn't been used yet. I so presume, I, for some reason, I had in my head that it was... There were bodies there. No. But no, okay, and so it's so a pristine... the soldiers who are supposed to be there are nowhere to be found. That's not great. Um, so They're out getting drunk. The women go there and they find two young men sitting in the tomb, asking them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's risen. Okay, now, so these two young men say that? Yes. These two randos that have appeared... No, they are angels. Of course they are. They so, always look like young men. So, so did the angels bop the guards over the head? Well, what they... Do we ever know what The story tells like, them later is that there was an earthquake, and there's a great big bright shining light, and the guards take off terrified because oh, they're like, the stone is rolling away, and the man is getting out of a grave. So they're like, so nope, nope, it's nope. haunted, and I gotta go. So Bye. much, So much nope. I'm not, I'm not dealing with this. Noped right Never. out. There was an earthquake during the crucifixion. Yes. And an eclipse and a storm. So the Romans, remember, in their belief, it was very common for gods to have relationships yeah, with Zeus human is beings. Real mad. And Zeus? Could have been, but even you see, for instance, there's Zeus was Greek. I'm trying to remember was it Jupiter? Jupiter, I was right. Jupiter. Okay, so to in Greek uh religion, it was very common for gods to sire human beings, like Hercules mm-hmm. or Perseus. Yeah. So Demi-god. when all of this happened with Jesus, when he gets crucified and there's earthquakes and there's eclipses. Oh, they're like, we killed a god right. and we're not going to so mess with that. The idea is when they see this happening, another earthquake and this rock is coming back and there's this light shine, they're just like, no, 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 no. We've had enough of this. We not don't want any part of it. 
Many churches have a sunrise service to commemorate these women. That means going to church very, very early in the morning. The services I attended started when it was still dark, and we had a uh, like a brief of uh, service and then communion, and then had a fellowship breakfast. So you would have fasted on Friday, but eaten on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So you're not breaking the fast of the communion. No, no, right? you're not fasting okay. over the whole weekend necessarily. Okay. But the thing um, was, you woke up first thing in the morning to commemorate the women going to the tomb. So they go to the tomb. There's two lovely young boys saying, uh, "Nope." Then, right. Then where does so that then... Mary goes into the garden adjacent to the tomb and cries. She's weeping, and then someone comes up and starts to talk to her, and then she realizes it's Jesus. How's he look? He looks much better than the last time she <laughs> saw him. And then he says, "Go and tell the disciples that I am back." <laughs> I'm back. So Jesus back. All right. It's a Backstreet Boys reference. <laughs> Get on board. I'm far too old for it. So anyhow, <laughs> then Jesus begins making his appearances, and he does this for another forty days. He just keeps showing up. So Easter is a celebration. Forty days, huh? Weird. Forty days, right? <laughs> so Easter is a celebration of Christ's victory over death. There's also a celebration of our victory over death. Death becomes meaningless after this. The Easter story is compelling because of the details. The women run to tell the disciples, but no one believes them because they're women. Two disciples. Cool. They bet they were called hysterical. I am absolutely sure they were called <laughs> hysterical. Two disciples ran to look for themselves and came away from the empty tomb confused. Thomas abandons the other terrified disciples, refusing to believe that Jesus is alive unless he actually touches the wounds on the resurrected body. Full of doubt. He's a skeptic. Doubting Thomas. I don't know what else he did in his life. But he's always going to be remembered. (laughs) And that's the sad thing. But Jesus was fine with it. Right. He's like, how long before Thomas, was that like day one? Did he get over it super quick or was he doubting for like 39 of the He got over it the next time that Jesus made an appearance and he saw him. And Jesus is like, here, go ahead. And Thomas is like, no, I'm good. I'm sorry. I'm so, 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 so sorry. Oh, he didn't actually have to touch him. No, no. He was just, Jesus is like, here I am. And, And Thomas is really embarrassed. I see you. (laughs) It's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. So over the next few weeks, Jesus makes multiple appearances doing perfectly normal things like cooking and eating dinner with his disciples and also very strange things like appearing and disappearing at will, sometimes at great distances. He continues this until the day of ascension 40 days later. Jesus gives a last address to a large crowd of witnesses and then vanishes in front of everyone. So he poofs on the day of ascension. Yes. We don't celebrate that. We do in some churches. So there is, like, yeah. if I look on a calendar, and sometime yes. in June, there's an Ascension, mm-hmm. Day of Ascension. In fact, now that I'm thinking about it, I, that sounds familiar. I, I love the perfectly average things that Jesus winds up doing. <laughs> Here, let me make you dinner. Here, have something to eat. I'll eat with you. It's very, to me, that's very funny. At the same time, doing very strange things, like appearing to people and then disappearing, and they're like, wait, where's Jesus? One of my favorite stories is two men who are discussing with each other the terrible things that have happened at the crucifixion. They're not aware that Jesus is back, and this happens on Easter Sunday. And as they're walking, this other man joins them, because there were safety in numbers crossing these roads, and just begins talking to them casually about, well, Jesus had to die. Don't you understand? This is Prophecies have to be fulfilled, and... And suddenly these men are so compelled by how great a speaker this person is that they say, well, why don't you stop with us? We're about to eat dinner. 
So he goes, okay. He sits down with them, and the moment he breaks bread, they go, oh my God, it's Jesus. And then Jesus... How did they not know until then? Because it doesn't... Imagine what it was like. This was not televised no, time. I, I understand that. way back in the crowd going... Who's but the that moment he breaks bread, they understand. Why? He, what did he do? Did he, he pour wine out of his... Like... No, he did not. <laughs> this is not Harry Potter. This is like... So then explain to me why at that very they moment... Were they were with a recognition. It doesn't say how they did. They just suddenly understood who they were talking to. I don't like that story, because why is Jesus going around talking about himself in the third person? That's creepy. It, <laughs> Anyhow, I'm just telling you, I, I like, like it story. because to me, it not only is a really almost like he has a sense of humor and he's just kind of messing with people. It's it also like probably Bill Murray popping into people's weddings first, whether or not they want him to. Well, <laughs> it's probably the very first vanishing hitchhiker story ever. Oh, yeah, maybe. Um, well, and yeah. it follows the pattern, but I just like the idea that he was like playful with people afterward. Here I am. You're well, suddenly he's in a great mood. He's in a room. He, the right? worst thing had happened, and he's fine, it turns out. So, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> if you feel like attending a virtual service, you might see some of the things I described. Remember that these little rites and rituals are symbols of a, a strange history. The story is not a fable or a legend to Christians, but a living history of actual people and the very strange things that they saw. Remember that the idea of life after death was a very tentative proposition before this in many cultures. An afterlife was guaranteed to heroes, to valiant persons, to kings and other highborn people. A common person could hope to be a slave to a wealthy person in a future life. Often a more ambiguous afterlife is presented. A person could hope to escape death if they were especially righteous like Enoch or Elijah. Even Moses, Joshua, David, great biblical heroes lived and died and were buried. If they failed to attain that special stature, what hope did anybody else have? So Jesus has been resurrected, and now they suddenly are like, there's an afterlife? There was no proof of an afterlife. This is uh, There still isn't proof of an afterlife. Well, there's Jesus proof, is God. There's proof of I an afterlife. I am not God, okay. so I so have nothing just, promised just to me. Second. So when Jesus visits the grave uh, of his late friend Lazarus earlier in the, his story... I know this... I know this man. This He's, man is resurrected in it. Yes, exactly. Was the, this was before Jesus was crucified. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. This is I just, one of the instances leading up to his crucifixion okay. and one of the things that probably got him killed. Um, when Jesus visits the grave of his late friend Lazarus, he's confronted by Martha, Lazarus' sister. She is angry that Jesus did not arrive in time to work miraculous cures on her dying brother. Entitled. Jesus tells her, bro exactly, she feels that somehow she had a special connection so she should get on the inside track of, of his uh, healing powers. But um, one of the more realistic things about the gospel stories is that his friends frequently do that to him. Yeah. You know, Mary does it to him at one point yeah. and says, you know, they ran out of wine. Martha does it saying, if you'd showed up earlier... Yeah, right. Um, he said because of you. Right. Hey. hey. <laughs> so... Uh, Jesus tells her that her brother will rise again, and she says that he will on the day of resurrection and on the last day, like Judgment Day. Jesus tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet will he live. And he that lives and believes in me will never die. This egalitarian idea of God's grace and gift of an afterlife seems like a given after 2,000 years. But this was a revolutionary idea. Everyone could have an afterlife. Not an afterlife as a slave or an afterlife reserved for the holiest, but where everyone, whatever status they had in life, was given room. Well, not everyone. Well, <laughs> everyone had the opportunity. Yes, there you go. Jesus gave no clear description of what happened after you died. 
but he did leave us a lovely idea. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go you know, and the way you know. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. If you liked it, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with a friend. We have an internet home with OutworksPodcast.com. Our show notes, links to stories we talk about, and transcripts for our episodes can be found there. We're also reachable at WithoutWorksPod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at WithoutWorksPod. And we're on Facebook by searching WithoutWorksPodcast. I've been Amity. And he's been Lemuel. And we urge you to stay inside and do something good. Everybody!